Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Project Life Mastery Podcast. I'm Stefan James, founder of ProjectLifeMastery.com, internet entrepreneur and life coach with a passion for living life to the fullest and fulfilling my potential as a human being. My purpose for this podcast is to be a powerful and passionate example of the unlimited possibilities that life offers for any of us that has the courage to commit ourselves to life mastery while sharing ideas, concepts, and strategies that can help you master every area of your life from your health, mindset, emotions, business, finances, relationships, and spirituality. Now, if you're someone like me that is hungry to take their life to the next level, then you're in the right place. Welcome and let's begin. Hey everyone, this is Stefan James from Project Life Mastery and today we're gonna talk about addiction. I wanna share with you some of the best strategies that I've learned and used in my life for overcoming a variety of addictions. Now, I first wanna acknowledge that there's different degrees and levels of addictions. Obviously, there's some addictions more severe more detrimental, more damaging to one's life than others. Some addictions might overstimulate your dopamine levels much higher than others, like cocaine and heroin and some substances, versus you can also be addicted to social media and that's stimulating your dopamine levels, but that might not have as much harm or be as hard to overcome as opposed to something like a substance that is stimulating your dopamine in such significant ways. So there's different degrees, there's different levels of addictions that I wanna acknowledge. And with that being said, what I'm gonna share today is not the absolute end-all, be-all cure for addiction. I'm gonna share with you my perspectives, my experiences, and some of the strategies that I've learned that have helped me tremendously and just try to pay it forward to you on your journey. If you're someone that's dealing with a severe addiction and you're trying to achieve recovery, then maybe some of what I share can help you. Or maybe you're someone that is going about a life not even aware of some addictions that you might have that could be affecting you. Because oftentimes what comes with addiction is the denial of the fact that one has an addiction. Um, The addiction is rooted in your ego. And your ego wants to preserve itself. It does not want to change. It is addicted and attached and clinging and desiring onto whatever it is that's giving you this source of pleasure and escape from difficulty or negative, uncomfortable emotions in your life. And so this ego is gonna do everything it can to preserve itself and it does not wanna change. It wants to remain attached and therefore it will rationalize, it will justify why to continue to exist. It will deny you know, an addiction, it will be delusional, it might even lie to yourself or to others about it. And so um, it takes a level of awareness to realize that, hey, I have a problem, this is an addiction, and it's causing harm to me in my life. And sometimes you might not see that, but inevitably what often happens with addiction is that one gets to a point where it's undeniable the negative impact that that addiction is having in their life, 
and it's so painful that they finally make the decision to change. But often it can take a while before that person gets to that point. So it's a, a challenging journey and process because one needs to be ready. One, one needs to be willing to admit and acknowledge that this is a problem and actively looking for solutions. Um, I'm not sure if you know anyone in your life that's dealt with addiction, but maybe they're drinking alcohol all the time and they do it every day and they become a different person. And you might even try to bring it up to them that, hey, you know, you're maybe drinking a little bit too much or is this, you know, maybe a problem for you, but they can't see it. And they minimize it and downplay it. And sometimes they lie to themselves and say, oh, I can stop anytime that I want. So we have to be wary of the ego and acknowledge the power of the ego and uh, the power of an addiction. And what it really does is it humbles you so much to recognize and realize that, man, I don't know if I can solve this on my own. Maybe I need a higher power. Maybe I need God, which is one of the first steps of the 12-step program. And one of the reasons why it's effective is that it causes the person to humble themselves to this addiction rather than them thinking that I can solve this, I can fix everything on my own. If you could have, you would have solved it by now. If you could have, then you wouldn't have this problem. You wouldn't have this addiction. So you have to have that humility within yourself and say, hey, I need help from a higher power. That could be from God, it could be from the universe, it could be from a friend, it could be from a therapist, it could be from a 12-step group, whatever it might be. But I think that's one of the, the first most crucial steps is having that humility of the power of this and how it's affecting your life. Now, I wanna first start off defining an addiction from my, my words and my perspective. I define an addiction as any activity that you do consistently, but you can't stop doing. Okay, so, you know, maybe you're addicted to marijuana. You know, maybe if you smoke it once in a while, you can stop for 30 days. It's probably not an addiction, but you smoke marijuana every day and you try to stop, but you can't stop. You can't make it more than a few days. You can't make it 30 days. Then in my opinion, that's, that's an addiction. Um, it could be video games, it could be social media, it could be obviously substances, it could be gambling, it could be pornography, uh, it could be many, many different things. Um, and the other piece of that is not just something that you, you can't stop doing, but also something that's causing harm or damage to your life, and maybe even the lives of the people around you. And that part is subjective, because when you first start engaging in a drug or whatever the addiction is, at the beginning, you're experiencing all the upside with very little downside. You know, life is great. If, you know, if you, uh, you know, first start, uh, you know, taking a drug, let's say, everything's great. You feel so good. You feel unstoppable. And you are a much better version of yourself, let's say. Or maybe it's something else that helps you just escape you know, pain in your life and just numbs you and makes you feel, um, you know, feel different than uh, the suffering that you maybe were experiencing day to day. Whatever it is, usually at the beginning things are great, but it's not until it gets to a certain point where you start to see the harm and the damage and the negative effect that that addiction has in your life. If it's marijuana, maybe at first everything's great, you're relaxing, you've, you know, life is fun, you're funny, you're silly, all these great benefits. But then maybe after a few months, you start realizing, man, I'm waking up in the morning, I just have this fog. I don't have any desire to do anything. I have no motivation. I just feel lazy every day. 
Uh, I can't get myself to exercise and eat well or do certain things that are good for myself. You know, or you just can't perform the way that you used to. And then when you're just in this low state, everything feels numb. You know, nothing really gives you pleasure. Nothing really gives you joy. You don't feel love. You don't feel the spectrum of emotions. Maybe at that point, you might get to a point where it's like, whoa, the benefits have worn off. I'm starting to see these negative effects in my life. Now it's a problem. Now I need to do something about it. Oftentimes, though, the problem with addiction is that when you start to feel and experience the negative aspects of it, then the way out of that for most people as an addict is to go back to the substance, to go back to whatever that addiction is because it's an immediate way they can feel pleasure, they can feel good. You know, so if you're having withdrawals, you know, a dopamine deficit state from marijuana, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, social media, then you know that, hey, if I just take another hit, if I take another drink, if I you know, go online and start scrolling through TikTok for a couple hours, boom, I'll, I'll boost my dopamine again and I'll be out of this state of suffering and pain. But then you're just perpetuating it. You're making it worse, you're feeding the addiction and it grows and grows and grows and it becomes that much harder to be able to overcome. So addiction, I'd say, from my experience, is one of the most challenging things to overcome in one's life. For me personally, it's been the hardest thing for me to change and overcome in my life amongst anything that I've achieved in my life. For me, making a million dollars was easier than overcoming addiction. For me, attracting the woman of my dreams was a lot easier than overcoming addiction. For me, transforming my body and doing fitness competitions was easier than overcoming addiction. Uh, for me, the ad addiction is probably one of the hardest things that one can overcome, but uh, one thing I, I heard from an interview of this psychiatrist she wrote a fantastic book called Dopamine Nation, which I highly recommend. I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, she said that the most developed people, the most mentally developed people that she's ever met and been around have been those that have overcome addiction. Because in order for you to overcome an addiction, you have to become so much greater than what you are right now. You have to become such a more conscious, better person. You have to upgrade yourself and the kind of person that can overcome whatever addiction that you're going through, whatever demons that you have from the past and traumas, the person that overcomes that is a more aware, more conscious, more loving, more kind, more developed emotionally human being than, than most people in society. And I really do believe that. And um, that's what I've observed from being around people that have addictions is um, I'm blown away by the quality of people um, that I've been able to meet through different communities of people that have been on the path of recovery or even ones that have been able to abstain from whatever it is and, uh, and uh, recover. So when it comes to addiction, I think I acknowledge and I believe that there's many addictions that exist, most of which that society does not acknowledge. Society, you know, often we look at drugs, alcohol, gambling, certain things like that as addictions and give a lot of attention to those. But I also see in this world that there's a lot of addictions, most of which people are not aware is causing harm to their life. And I want to, and sometimes you're not aware because uh, nobody educates you or teaches you, or maybe you're feeling depression, anxiety, some things, and you don't have the awareness to maybe attribute it to something that you're addicted to. And I know that was the case for me is 
I've had a, a variety of addictions um, that I didn't know were addictions. And I was feeling, you know, lazy at times, unmotivated, ups and downs that I had. And I didn't know why. And I tried all these other things to try to correct it and fix it and improve and grow until eventually I realized, hey, this thing that I'm doing here every day, you know, this addiction, maybe that's contributing to my state of being and I need to give attention to that and overcome it and fix it. So that's been my experience with that is that a lot of people are not aware of it. And so things that I've observed that are addictions for people, and again, going back to the definition, you can't stop it. So if you can't, you try to abstain for 30 days, but you can't, then maybe you have a dependency there that's not healthy that you need to look at, or if it's also causing harm to you and to others. So certain addictions that I see obviously are drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography, sex, uh, social media, video games, food, you know, junk food, sugar, binge eating. Um, oh my gosh, even working too much. You know, there's actually 12 steps. Workaholics Anonymous uh, for those that overwork, you know, to the point where you're just so addicted to working all the time, you neglect your family, you ne neglect your health, you neglect your wife, your husband, you know, so obviously that can be even an addiction. I even look at overthinking as an addiction. I take more of a, a, a Buddhist philosophy approach to that and seeing how overthinking can be an addiction where you're just so consumed in your mind. You're, your monkey mind just won't stop. You're just over consumed in your thoughts. You're attached and identifying with your thoughts, with your emotions. And that could be a, 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 an addiction, overthinking all the time. That was definitely something that uh, I have struggled with most of my life. And uh, based on what I'm gonna share with you has made a huge, huge difference. And some of these addictions like overthinking, you solve that and it can solve a lot of these other addictions that you deal with as well because they're all correlated in some way. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So I have the awareness of that. You know, obviously if you're overthinking too much, then when you overthink, you're, when you have so many thoughts you're consumed by, it takes you away from living in the present moment. It takes you away from experiencing life and reality for what it is, rather than always perceiving life through this filter of your thoughts. And also understanding that oftentimes our thoughts are negative thoughts because the nature of our mind is for survival and will always look for threats and dangers. Those will always get our attention a lot more um, than things that are pleasurable because they're a threat to our survival. And so oftentimes there could be a lot of chatter in your mind that's negative and um, doesn't feel good. It can cause a lot of suffering. It can result in anxiety, paranoia, schizophrenia, depression. Um, fear, you know, a lot of those things are the product of one not being able to calm their own mind and being overly identified and attached and living in their head. Also, it can paralyze you to make decisions in your life because when you're always thinking, overanalyzing things, then you hesitate in life. You don't take action. You don't pursue things because you're always thinking, oh, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what if this happens? And you're always psyching yourself out and you're not taking any action. So. What I'm trying to do is bring awareness to even something like overthinking can be a problem that a lot of people are not even aware of. I used to look at my overthinking as a gift and it had some gifts and some benefits to it. You know, it's helped me plan things better and strategize better in my life, but I've also seen how it's created a tremendous amount of suffering and that I don't need to think as much as I am thinking and overly be consumed by thinking. I can uh, be more conscious and more aware of my thinking. So. Um, that was one that took me a long time to get, 
And so uh, I'm sharing that with you guys and uh, something for you just to look out for and determine whether or not that is in fact an issue that you might be dealing with. Okay, how about we dive into what I believe to be some of the solutions. So the first thing that I wanna talk about is, you know, when I first started learning about addiction, I, I kinda tackled it from many different perspectives. Um, you know, almost like if you're trying to take an island, you know, you're going to war, you might have an attack by sea, by land, by plane. You want to attack your problem, your addiction from multiple different angles and perspectives. And it's the same thing with addiction where you want to attack it from an emotional, a mental, a spiritual, a physical side. Every, everything you can do to overcome your addiction, you want to use, utilize, and pursue. And so one of the areas that I was really looking at and trying to understand more about is what was happening in my brain with the addictions that I had. And some of the addictions that I dealt with have been video games, just to give you some context. Um, that was probably my first addiction uh, because it was this activity that I can indulge in every single day and I would get consumed by it, like literally 16 hours a day. I was actually on Dr. Phil uh, coaching uh, the producers at, they watched a video I did on YouTube about how to overcome video game addiction. And uh, they had this one kid uh, who had a video game addiction and they asked me to be on the Dr. Phil show to coach this kid and give him some advice. And I was sharing my story and I, to give you some idea of that, I would play video games 16 hours a day. I would skip school, go home to play video games all day. So for example, uh, I'd get on the school bus to go to school my mom would go to work around the same time. Once I got to school, I'd walk home 30 minutes, sneak into the house and play video games all day, skipping school and um, just playing for 16 hours straight. And I could just keep going. All, I, sometimes I'd even wake up in the middle of the night. My parents would go to bed, wake up, go down to the computer room, play some more video games for several hours. So, you know, obviously for many people, video games is, you know, not an issue for them. But for me, to the extent that it was, it was uh, very problematic for me in my life. It just made me more introverted, more antisocial. I did not have any social skills to interact with people. Um, and I was really just escaping and avoiding the pain of my life. You know, it was a way for me to escape reality, go to a different world, be, do, and experience whatever I want to be, do, be and do. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was a great world to be in, especially because my reality was so painful. Um, I also dealt with an addiction to food. I had a binge eating disorder because uh, about 10 years ago when I was 24, 25 years old, I started doing fitness competitions and um, I did two different competitions and I went to an extreme of caloric deficit and overtraining and was so deprived and um, my body just needed food. <laughs> and it would binge on food, like thousands and thousands of calories. I'd go to the store, buy a box of donuts and cookies and ice cream and just devour thousands of calories in a sitting and then um, feel so guilty, so ashamed, so depressed. Wake up the next day, you know, going to do an hour or two of cardio to offset that. And then sure enough, just finding myself back in that same cycle again and again, very difficult to get out of. Um, I've dealt with addictions to pornography, you know, especially when I was, in, you know, very young, having access to the internet as a young boy, experiencing all these hormones, being attracted to girls, not knowing what to do with this sexual energy, 
and of course someone that spent way too much time on the computer at home isolated playing video games you know you start seeing pornography and you start getting addicted to it and it feels good you're feeling this huge rush of pleasure it's one of the most pleasurable experiences that you can have as a human being is an orgasm spikes your dopamine like crazy in some cases almost as high as cocaine and heroin and so to have this huge dopamine spike feels so good fantasy world you know as a guy young guy wow i can you know it's like you're having this re this fantasy of being with all these different types of women and you know it's very intoxicating and pleasurable and then uh you know sure and it can help you relax it can help you go to bed easier all these different things till eventually you find yourself you know not actually going out there to interact with girls and girls in reality are just not as attractive to you as the girls on the internet and then um you find that you know maybe you can't perform because you've trained yourself to perform by you know using your hands as a way to experience pleasure and now you're actually with an actual woman and you can't perform with that person you're just not aroused and it doesn't feel you know as it should uh you feel disconnected and you objectify women based on what you've seen just on the computer screen rather than seeing them as a natural human being that you can connect with and be intimate with um that's not just for your pleasure as pornography teaches you but it's actually a shared sacred experience that you can have with someone so pornography was a problem for me um and then, you know there's been a variety of other other things i've used marijuana at different stages in my life and found that i can get addicted to that um you know social media was a problem for me as well just aimlessly spending hours scrolling 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 till you know something pops up spikes the dopamine feels good you know getting addicted to that i've been addicted to uh, like games on the phone you know those phone games that you play and you get rewards and you you know get different tokens and coins and stuff and it gives you this spike of dopamine that gets you addicted to it <clears throat> excuse me i've even been addicted to money money success uh even that can be problematic for you as well so i've got a, a variety of <laughs> things that i've dealt with um which have been very challenging to overcome so my point being as i went on my little rant i just wanted to share that just so you guys know can maybe relate to what i've been through um understanding what's going on in the brain so what's going on in the brain there's a variety of books i could share with you that can help you learn more about this but essentially what's happening when you have an addiction is when you engage in some sort of activity or you know consume a substance when it spikes your dopamine okay the dopamine is a neurotransmitter that is released anytime there's an anticipation of a reward so whenever there's an anticipation of a reward for sex for a drug for you know food sugar video games whatever it is there's an anticipation of a reward something that's going to feel good your brain spikes in dopamine level you get a high from that and often what happens when you get that high the high spike of dopamine is there's a period where your dopamine levels come down oftentimes your dopamine levels come down lower than what the baseline was and um some things obviously will spike your dopamine a lot higher than others um but essentially a lot of these addictions they're unnatural things in our lives the brain uh dopamine is useful for our survival because it's designed for our survival where you know if you're a caveman and you see food or you see an animal that you can hunt or you see water or you see a potential mate that you can procreate with 
then your dopamine spikes to motivate you to pursue those things. And so dopamine helps us be motivated and it's crucial for our survival. But the problem lies when we live in this world, this unnatural world, where there's a lot of, well, I should say just unnatural things that stimulate our dopamine much greater than what our brains were accustomed to, then that's when it comes problematic. So for example, drugs. You know, those are substances that stimulate your dopamine much greater than anything else out there. And when you experience that high, you can get addicted to that high. Because once you've experienced that high, the brain remembers it. And it wants to get back there. It wants to get back there. It wants to continue. It will be motivated to pursue and experience that high again. Um, same thing, you know, hey, you eat desserts and junk food. These things are so much more accessible today than it was before. And so you can, you know, binge out on all this food, which normally, you know, um, as part of our evolution, food was scarce. You know, we'd feast and famine. Sometimes we'd feast and then we'd, you know, uh, fast for several, you know, days in some cases before we have our next meal. But today you just go to the store, you can consume all this sugar, all this carbs, all this fat and uh, get addicted to that. And so we, ha we live in this unnatural world that our brains weren't designed for where there's all these things that can stimulate our dopamine much greater than what we're used to. Same thing with porn. You know, porn is very unnatural. It's using technology so that we can, you know, essentially be in this unnatural world where we can um, get this high from all these different women that we might see or men or whatever it might be for you. But uh, yeah, seeing all that, potential mates for you, we're not, you know, you're gonna get so much of a greater dopamine spike from that than you will just everyday life. So the problem with these things that create addiction for you is you're overstimulating dopamine. And when you overstimulate dopamine, there's a come down, there's a crash, and you experience what is known as a dopamine deficit state. The dopamine deficit state is when you feel tired or exhausted, you feel lazy, you feel kind of down, you don't want to do anything, right? Because remember, dopamine is when you're more motivated, a lack of dopamine, de dopamine deficit, you're lazy, you're tired, you have no motivation, no drive to do anything. And when, of course, when you're in that dopamine deficit state, oftentimes one of the easiest and the best ways to get out of that is to go back to the drug, go back to whatever it is that can spike your dopamine because most things in your life don't give you that same boost of dopamine. So you get addicted to it and what happens when you do that enough times, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, your baseline level of dopamine, the dopamine level that's just your normal everyday dopamine level just in terms of how you feel, then that goes down and down and down and you build a tolerance where you need more and more and more to get that same high. It doesn't have that same effect, just like with alcohol. You know, you, you know, maybe when you're young, first time you had a drink of alcohol, you get drunk right away. You keep drinking alcohol every week, then it maybe takes you two or three or four or five drinks to get drunk. You built a tolerance, same thing with marijuana, same thing with pornography, video games, all these different things. You build a tolerance to it, um, but also your baseline goes down where because you're now used to these things giving you this high, the spike in dopamine, now like you know, going for a walk outside or going to the gym or you know, just hanging out with people, those things don't really give you much of a dopamine spike because you're so now used and trained your brain to need so much dopamine for you to feel, feel good, to feel a high. 
that's where that's one of the root um, issues I see as addictions and why I think that anything that overstimulates your dopamine level enough that's unnatural will have a negative effect on one's life long term. So even if, hey, you might say, ah, you know, I spend a lot of time on social media, but I'm not addicted to it. Okay, fair enough. But it's still overstimulating your dopamine levels in an unnatural way. And even though right now it might not be an issue for you, it might take 5, 10, 20 years from now where you start finding yourself more in a chronic dopamine deficit state and then it becomes problematic. Technology is still relatively new. You know, we haven't lived with the internet, with social media, you know, for more than like 10 years or so. But what's the impact of that over 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? What's the impact of, you know, living in the metaverse and having VR goggles on and, uh, you know, experiencing reality very differently, you know, and how that stimulates your brain chemicals? You know, now when you exit out of the metaverse and you just try to like go to the beach, go for a hike, it's not as exciting. You don't get as much dopamine from that as you are used to being in this fantasy world. So from my experience of what I've observed, there's, there's problems that can arise and can lead to. And in terms of the solution, first recognizing what's happening in the brain, obviously the solution to that then is to reduce and eliminate things that overstimulate your dopamine. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So that you can allow your brain to reset itself. The great thing is, is that our brains are plastic. It's called neuroplasticity. Uh, there's a great book called The Brain That Changes Itself by Dr. Norman Doidge. And explains how the brain, the brain is uh, malleable. It uh, can mold itself and change based on how we're living our lives. And so if you can start to abstain from activities and substances that overstimulate dopamine... At the beginning, it's very challenging because you're used to it and you're going to have withdrawals. And people that deal with severe addiction knows what I'm talking about. You're going to have withdrawals. The withdrawals can last several weeks, several months in some cases. And you're going to be in this chronic dopamine deficit state where nothing, like nothing's going to feel good. You're going to go through hell in some cases. And then eventually, as time goes on, your brain starts to reset itself and kind of come back to a state of normalcy. And during that time, also, what I've learned is trying to do things that naturally bring up your dopamine in more healthful ways. So, one, you know, a variety of things that can help someone deal with, you know, addiction and just kind of help their brain in better ways is exercising every day, you know, going for walks, getting outside, eating healthier, building some positive habits in their life and keeping themselves busy and productive with things that are healthy that make them feel good, give them some dopamine um, but it's just not to the, you know, it, it will help them cope a little bit better, uh, especially if you're just like alone by yourself, isolated all the time. You're going to be much more likely to indulge in something that's going to give you that dopamine hit. So that's the first aspect that I want to talk about is understanding your brain, understanding that the solution is to do some dopamine detoxes, 
Okay, maybe you decide, and by the way, maybe you're dealing with a severe addiction, but you have all these other little addictions. You know, it can help just to try to eliminate, hey, you know what, I, I'm gonna spend less time on social media. I'm gonna set up a screen time on my iPhone. I'm just gonna limit my time on social media just to 10 minutes a day. You know, just reducing things like that will help reset your brain and it can actually help you overcome some of these bigger addictions a lot easier. And part of that too might require you to change your lifestyle. Change your lifestyle. Maybe your addiction mostly lives in the evening time when you're just there by yourself, bored, and you're more likely to act out. Well, you might have to change your lifestyle and do some things in the evening. Maybe go with friends, maybe take up sports, maybe take up a new activity. Those things that will keep you engaged away from the danger zone of where your addiction oftentimes can live. Okay, so the next thing I wanna talk about is the biggest thing that I've been working on in my life. And it's a practice, a daily practice that has been around for thousands of years and it's one of the most powerful practices that one can do. And that's the practice of meditation. Now, I know many people when they hear meditation, uh, you know, I already know about meditation, I've tried meditating before, or there's just a lot of resistance to doing it. And for me, I resisted meditation for years and years and years. I had friends that did Vipassana, like 10-day meditation retreats. I've got friends that have done it multiple times. Stefan, you gotta meditate, you gotta do Vipassana. Uh, you know, I've heard it come up many, many times in my personal development experiences, but I was so addicted and attached to my mind and my thoughts that I was terrified to calm them. I was terrified, I was always terrified to meditate because I was like, I wanna be busy and productive and what I often didn't realize is that my busyness and my productiveness was an addiction where I was trying to escape just being with myself and my emotions and my thoughts. And so I try to escape all of that, escape. So for me, the very idea of meditation was like the most painful thing that one could go through. I couldn't even sit there for a minute. And I just felt like I always needed to be doing something. And I was so addicted to success and goals and achievement. I wanted every minute of my day from the moment I wake up, you know, doing something productive. And I'd always walk and move fast throughout the day, you know, move on from one thing to the next to the next to the next so I can get more things done. And so uh, I remember I'd like go to the gym. I'd walk to the gym really fast, headphones on. I'd, you know, go to scan my gym pass, the person be at the front desk. I don't have time to talk to that person. I'm here to work out. Just, you know, I was just trying to be as efficient as I possibly could. But I was also consumed and living in my head and I didn't know how to just be. I didn't know how to just be with myself, my thoughts, my emotions. And so meditation was a solution for me because I think one of the, the uh, problems with addiction and the root causes of addiction is a fear that one has of just being with themselves. Just being. That's a fear that someone that's addicted has. Because if you just be, like let's say that you just sat in an empty room and you just sat there just like this. And I told you, you gotta sit there for four hours. For an addictive person, they'd go crazy because if they just were just to sit there for four hours, they couldn't do it. They'd have all these uncomfortable feelings come up, all these uncomfortable emotions come up, all these uncomfortable thoughts come up. They'd have things that they're trying to think about from the past or things that they're trying to think about and plan for the future. They can't just be in the present moment with no thought and have a, you know, just be, be present in the here and now. So I realized that that was a problem for me, is that, and the, the reason why that's a problem 
is because oftentimes the addiction, what you're going to is a way to self-medicate. It's a way for you to change how you feel. And you're not addressing the root cause. You're just putting a Band-Aid over things and just distracting yourself from this rather than just learning how to embrace a practice like meditation and just be there with your thoughts and emotions and feelings. And so for me, this is something that I had to slowly get into. I would start like using the Calm app on my phone or Headspace, use like 10 minutes a day of meditation, guided meditation is how I had to start. Now today I love meditation. Sometimes I meditate twice a day. I look forward to it, I can't wait. Uh, sometimes I meditate for an hour a day. So I have, a, have had a huge turnaround with that and I can confidently say meditation has transformed my life. It's actually cleared, I'd say, almost all addictions from my life, even overthinking. I don't think nearly as much as I used to. I experience life and reality as it is and am just you know present with more things throughout my life and have a heightened sense of awareness, which is pretty cool and amazing. So when it comes to meditation, recognize again that part of the problem is a fear of being alone. Part of the problem is a fear of nothingness, emptiness, the present moment, and always trying to distract from that. Now, a practice of meditation, reason why meditation is powerful is because it helps you accomplish a higher level of awareness. See, when you're meditating, meditation is where you just sit in a comfortable position. You can meditate walking. You don't have to close your eyes. You can do walking meditations. Uh, some people just their whole life and how they live moment to moment is a meditation because they're just bringing awareness to the present moment. But traditionally, meditation is a practice where you might sit down, quiet environment, you're comfortable, and you give your mind, the monkey mind, which is just always you know, going off, you give it a job, you give it something to focus on. And so you might give it your breath, something that you can bring your awareness and your attention to. And so with meditation, what you do is you just focus on your breath. You'll focus breathing in, you'll feel the sensation of the air coming through your nostrils, and then you release through your nose and you can feel the sensation you know, coming out of your nostrils. And you're just bringing an awareness to that one thing. When you do that, it's calming your mind, okay? It's directing your focus, your awareness to something and your mind slows down. It becomes more calm. Now, when you're doing this, when you're first brand new, you'll get distracted. You'll have thoughts come up. They'll feel very urgent, very important. Uh, you'll uh, maybe get lost in that thought for a while before you bring your awareness back. Hey, okay, I'm caught up in my thoughts. Go back to my breath, right? And it's going back and forth, back and forth until your mind calms. Often when you meditate too, what I've observed is I might have like an itch. You know, I have an itch on my nose or an itch on my arm or sometimes I even feel like there must be like a bug or like a spider on me. I can feel like this tingling sensation. And instinctively, in our unconscious mind, we want to react to that and just, you know, you know, uh, uh, scratch, you know give it a scratch or you know, brush it away or whatever it is. But with meditation, you learn just to be aware of that and to have a feeling or sensation that might be uncomfortable but not feel the need to do anything about it. So part of my meditation, I, I have many itches and uncomfortable sensations, even my back might hurt. And instead of trying to adjust and do something, 
Okay, which is often what we try to do when we have an addiction, right? We feel uncomfortable emotion, we feel fear, we feel lonely, we feel anger, we feel frustrated, and we instinctively, on automatic pilot, unconsciously go to our drug that will give us this high and change how we feel. Instead of learning just to sit with it, watch and observe it, and just notice that it will come and it will go. And this is what you realize through meditation. You realize that every thought, every feeling, every emotion, every sensation that you have and experience as a human being is temporary. It's transitory and it's impermanent. So all you need to do through meditation is you sit and you be. You focus on your breath, let's say. You notice and observe when thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations arise. And instead of doing, you're gonna practice non-doing. You're gonna practice non-action. And you're going to just be the witness and the observer of that. You're not gonna judge it. You're not gonna label it. You're not gonna identify with it. You're not gonna try to change it. You're not gonna try to fix it. You're not gonna make it wrong. You're not gonna feel guilty for feeling that. When that happens, you just become aware of that. And you watch and you observe that of what's going on. And what you're doing is you are creating a level of separation from the mind and the ego and who you really are, which is pure consciousness and pure awareness. And so you can just watch what's going on. And it's maybe challenging at the beginning, but as you practice this, you can experience a state of just total peace and just observing. Like you just feel total stillness. When I meditate, I just like lose sensation with my body. And I just, you experience this just incredible uh, state of mind and state of being where you just observe everything that's going on, but you don't feel that it's you. You don't feel identified with it. And I think that's an important thing because oftentimes when we feel these emotions, we can identify with it and we believe that this is who I am, that I am an addict, I, which is actually something that I disagree with with the 12 steps. There's a lot of things I love about 12 steps. Uh, I think 12 steps, it took me a while to learn what 12 steps ultimately accomplishes and how it helps heal one's addiction. Because when I first started you know, exploring the 12 step program, I was like, how does this cure addiction? Because all you're doing, you surrender to God, you take inventory of things in your life that you've wronged or whatever, you're you know, making amends, you're trying to be a better person, all that, but I'm like, it's not really directly addressing the practical aspects of addiction. And so I was always kind of confused from that at the beginning, but I still did it because I thought it'd be a great personal development practice. The 12 steps ultimately helps one raise their consciousness to become a more spiritual person. It's essentially a path towards God. It's a, a path towards uh, spirituality and uh, becoming a more aware and conscious human being because when you start living your life with love, forgiveness, compassion, um, you know, and start practicing a lot of what you learn, you know, um, being an honest person, you know, having community, all those aspects from it, you grow in consciousness and at a higher level of consciousness, your addiction does not exist. And meditation helps you raise one's consciousness as well. David Hawkins, he's got a book called Power Versus Force. He outlines the different levels of consciousness. 
And I think we can all agree there's different levels to consciousness. Whether or not you agree with his numbers and his way of testing, you know, I'm indifferent towards that. But in terms of we can all recognize anger, shame, guilt, you know, frustration. Those are lower levels of consciousness. But on the other hand, courage, love, joy, peace, those are higher levels of consciousness. And so the more that we can raise our consciousness to those levels, then, and out, especially out of those lower levels of consciousness, then we no longer uh, feel uh, the compulsive nature of an addiction. We just feel more at peace, feel more oneness, you feel more awareness in your life, and your addictions don't really exist. That's been my experience and what I've concluded at this stage, what the 12 steps accomplishes, and I don't think many people know that. And, and for me, it kind of took me learning other, a lot of other things to kind of piece that together and see what was happening there. Okay, so back to meditation. So I think having a practice where every day you meditate, and it might take time. Listen, I get it. it took me years to get to where I'm at with my meditation. Like it started off intermittently. It started off just here and there, 10 minutes here and there. And, and, and I didn't, I started seeing some benefit, but not right away. It took really months, even like a year plus, two years, I'd say, where um, I've started seeing big, in, big differences, especially with where I'm now. I'm seeing massive differences in my life in terms of my awareness and um, yeah, just how I feel day to day. So um, I think addiction is, or sorry, meditation is one of the antidotes. It's one of the antidotes to one's suffering. And meditation, you know, it's been around for thousands of years, but the Buddha, you know, who was once Prince Siddhartha, he was a prince, he had all the wealth, he had everything, he lived in the kingdom, he had everything, all the pleasure that one could experience in life, but he wasn't happy, he wasn't fulfilled. And it's not until he saw suffering that existed that he decided, I'm gonna figure out to put an end to suffering. And ultimately what he concluded by leaving and giving up all that he was attached to, his family, his kid, his wife, his money, all of that, he left all of what he was attached to to pursue truth, to pursue the end of suffering. And he tried a variety of different paths, but ultimately through meditation, he was able to understand what causes our suffering, which is attachment. It's this desire and uh, clinging and craving to things that create suffering within us. And if instead you can dissolve that just by watching that craving that you have within yourself, that temptation you have to act out, you learn that that is an emotion, a sensation that you just watch and observe through your meditation, which translates to your day to day, then you no longer feel the need to act on it. Because an addiction is when you have an unconscious response or reaction to something. You feel a certain way, you have a thought, a trigger, and then you act out. Meditation helps you to slow all of that down so you can walk, it doesn't happen so fast. You can slow it down and it creates space between each thing that's going on within you. So with meditation, you're like, oh, I feel, I have this thought or I have this emotion. You don't even identify, oh, that's a bad thought or that's a good thought, that's a good emotion, that's a bad emotion. Instead, you just watch it and you find that it fades away on its own, it goes away. Because going back to what I said about all emotions and thoughts are temporary, when you just watch and you observe them, they fade away. They dissipate. They're like clouds in the sky. If you just sit there and look at the clouds, it might not seem like they're moving, but if you sit there and just look at the clouds, 
you see they slowly move. They slowly move. You know, maybe it might take 10, 20 minutes, and then the clouds will be way over there. And it's the same thing with your thoughts, is that they come, your emotions, they come, they arise. And not unless you, if you hold on to it, you attach to it, you identify with it, you keep it there. But if you just watch and observe and just let it be, then it will fade. It goes away. And you feel peace and you don't feel identified with them. That's the key. That is the key that I've discovered probably the most powerful strategy for overcoming addiction, at least for me in my life, is having that level of awareness where you feel you don't feel the need to act out. You don't feel the need to act out on every emotion. You just watch and observe that emotion and you just learn to let it go. You learn to let it go. Now, there's also a practice that you can do called the letting go technique. And uh, there's a book called The Sedona Method. There's a course on The Sedona Method as well. And I'll link to some resources for you guys if you want to go down this path. But The Sedona Method is when you feel an emotion or a thought or resistance or you know, wanting to control something in your life or having this desire or wanting approval or security, whatever it is, when you, when you notice these things come up, and you could even do a practice every day where you just allow these things to be and come up. Maybe you have a list of things from your past, maybe traumas from your life, things from childhood. You, you can heal them, not by trying to fix it, but instead just allow the emotion to arise, to watch and observe it, to welcome it. You know, Oftentimes when these uncomfortable emotions show up, we, we go like this inside, right? Instead, what you want to do is go like this. Just welcome it, allow it to be. You watch it, you observe it, and you just allow it to run its course. And when it runs its course, it goes through you. It's got nothing to stick to. So this emotion, this thought, it comes, it goes, and it comes and goes, comes and goes, and comes and goes, but eventually it runs out, and it no longer comes up because you just let it, let it be. You, you let go of something instead of suppressing it and repressing it, which is a way to keep it there perpetually forever until you finally decide to open up and to let it go, to release your attachment to it. So that's one way you can actually heal a lot of these pain and suffering that is also at the root cause of causing you to act out. You have a practice every day and even all throughout the day. You know, For me, whenever I have an uncomfortable emotion or thought, I just sit there, and, and it's not always, you know, sometimes I'm unconscious, sometimes I, you know, I don't have this awareness, but you get better and better as time goes on. But you just watch and you be with it, you let it pass, you learn to tolerate it, and just be comfortable with it. And when you can learn to be comfortable with uncomfortable emotions and sensations and thoughts, without having that need to change it, without having that need to have pleasure and have a high, at that point, at that point, it, 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 you just you don't act out anymore. You don't act out whenever those triggers and those things occur for you. And as you're doing this simultaneously, your brain is healing itself. You know, your dopamine levels are restoring back to homeostasis, to an equal uh, equilibrium of of just you know of harmony and just how it should be. And my experience is, as you go down this path of healing the brain, the dopamine levels, having this level of awareness in your life, um, living in the present moment, you know, having emotions come up but not acting on them, and just watching them, observing them, letting them be, you experience a state of peace 
like you're just letting go of all these things that were swept under the rug, you know, and this big relief of this burden, you know, comes, uh, comes out and you just feel more peaceful, calm and at peace in your life and joyous and just really, really good. And uh, then what you find is that things give you pleasure very easily. Like you start to, when your brain resets itself, like you just feel this warmth and pleasure and joy, you know, just by, you know, looking at a beautiful view, you know, just by looking at the clouds, just by looking at the stars, just by looking at the moon, just by, you know, playing with your pet, just by, you know, going with your friends, you know, connecting with them. Like those little things give you pleasure and you lose that when you overstimulate your brain through an addiction. That's been my experience. And I, I really think that's the power of life is that you, the power of, of healing an addiction is you, re, you reignite, you recreate, you just come back to how you should be as a human being, which is just of joy and peace and bliss. And you just feel those emotions. I, I kid you not, so much easier in your life. Like things can make you feel so good and you don't need food and you don't need social media, you don't need a drug, you don't need this, this to get this big high. Uh, you just get addicted to the, the high of just normalcy and just everyday phenomena that occurs around you throughout life. And it's all amazing and beautiful if you change your consciousness, you know, you experience life through the level of consciousness that you are. And so as you grow in these ways and you reset your brain, you just experience life in a very beautiful way versus a very ugly, awful, angry way that you might at a lower level of consciousness when you're stuck in that addiction. If you're stuck in guilt and shame and anger and frustration and all these negative emotions, you look at life and everything sucks. You know, everything looks horrible. Every, you know, thing is just maybe a reminder to your suffering, but you clear all that out and you're in a place of peace and joy and love and all of that, then everything that you look at and experience is beautiful. And um, I think there's so much there to be gained that's far greater than, than uh, obviously the addiction, but I think that those that go through a path of recovery there's a gift in recovery that it can allow you th- it can allow you to live life at a much more beautiful and amazing level than I think most people ever will. And and when you get to that point, you can look at your addiction as a gift because you're like, wow, if I didn't have that obstacle, that opponent in my life, I wouldn't have grown in the ways that I have. I wouldn't have had these realizations. I wouldn't have grown to this place of consciousness, this place of awareness. And I wouldn't be able to experience life at a much higher and better level than most people in our society will if it wasn't for this addiction. So I want to conclude here and maybe just share with you that you might not see this in the time being. And there's many times through me and my addictions that I've had, I didn't see this. But I had faith in it. I had hope in it. I knew deep down inside that this was a gift. That, you know, yes, it fucking feels like hell going through this. But on the other side of this, man, the ways that this is going to force me to grow, to learn, to get better and better in my life and myself, enjoy my experience of life internally and not needing anything on the outside, nothing external to feel amazing. On the other side of that addiction, 
it's all going to be worth it and it's going to take me to places I never would have gotten to if it wasn't for it. So that's uh, something to have faith in. You're going through this for a reason and a purpose and on the other side, man, life is going to be so much better and, uh, and uh, this addiction is a gift maybe from God, maybe from the universe to help you grow and to learn and grow in the ways, in the ways that you can. So... I'm going to conclude it here, guys. There's a lot of information I've thrown at you, and I've, you know, I've gone pretty deep on this into, um, you know, obviously meditation, some Buddhism, Taoism, you know, a variety of different philosophies that exist that we can kind of pull things from and utilize from this. But um, these are things that have all, all helped, and I want to encourage you if you're going through this, keep going, keep learning. There's ups, there's downs. Read books, learn as much as you possibly can. I'll share resources with you. Go, you know, get a community. Go to twelve-step groups. You know, whether it's online, whether it's in person. Um, you know, maybe get a therapist. You know, some therapists are good. Some of them, unfortunately, not not as good. Um, so obviously, you need a good therapist. But you know, you'll get benefit from almost anything. Uh, I, I believe um, having someone to talk to you or someone that has experience with this and. Um, Keep attacking it from every different angle, every angle. If you've got, you know, traumas, maybe that's the cause of it. I don't know. You know, I never, I, I've had some traumas in my life, but I was like, ah, is that really causing my addiction? I don't know. I'm going to probably heal them anyways, though. I'm going to still attack it from that angle. Um, you know, take care of yourself, value yourself, exercise, eat well, meditate, all these things, guys. Continue doing them, cultivate them, and and, and make it so that, you and your life is so great that this addiction is just not even a part of it anymore. So I send you love. I appreciate your time. And I have no doubt that you'll be able to overcome this. I believe in you. I love you. And you are going to be free from this once and for all. Once and for all. I truly believe that. It's just a matter of time. I love you. God bless. See you again in the next video. Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value, then I'd love for you to leave an honest review on iTunes and subscribe to the Project Life Mastery podcast for future episodes. And of course, to receive more content and value, make sure to find and follow me at www.projectlifemastery.com for more. Thanks again. Remember to always believe and commit your life to mastery. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.